Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you to Harry's and ExpressVPN. Here we go. If uh, you happen to be listening on Apple or Spotify, just go ahead and leave us a rating. Maybe five stars. You know, just a suggestion. Five stars are bust, bro. Yeah. Very much appreciate it. It helps spread the good word of the reject nation. But, uh, oh, my God. Okay. Roxanne. Yeah, I, I just, to start, because of the whole thing with the genres, everybody, the genre of the first movie is different than the genre of the second movie. Did you feel like these were completely different genres? And if so, what genre was this movie? Dem- they're both demented. Demented. I Like, I yeah, this is definitely a departure from the first one. Although, I do feel like, in a way, and, uh, oh, props to Rick Baker, definitely, like, going above and beyond for this movie but um uh oh and mark mangini damn sorry i i i met him a couple times i used to teach improv i think to his kid anyway that's cool uh yes and i feel like you know this movie has a reputation for being wild and off the walls and like a a big departure from the first one And, and certainly it I get that, and it is, but it's not quite as, like, completely different. Isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Daffy Duck. Uh, Yeah, it's it's definitely different, but I feel like it makes sense the direction they took it in and, and the sort of madcapness. Like, I guess it's a little less horror movie, monster movie when it comes down to it, but it still has those tones and those notes. It's just like going for more madcap more of the time. But in a way, this felt kind of like the natural sequel you would you would want to do to me. But what did you think? I, I didn't feel like they were that different genres. They were both like really uniquely absurd. Yeah. With comedy and horror and um, camp. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I enjoyed this one as much as the first one. It did feel a little longer, this one. I don't know if it actually was. Sure. But I didn't mind that because I was so invested. Suddenly ridiculous. <laughs> I'm trying to cut those in. It, but even things like that, like it, I feel like this movie knew what it was. I think because of the first one, it felt confident in itself, and it was like we are going to have fun with this if it kills us. Yeah. And they knew when to like th- just stopping the movie more than halfway through and pretending like the Gremlins cut it. It was mm. genius, and and I, yeah, I feel like this movie knew exactly what it wanted to be. It delivered on that. It was so weird. That one moment with Phoebe Cates with the... The Lincoln thing. Still lurking about? Don't you people have home? 
<laughs> Don't worry, Daffy. We'll be there in no time. The Lincoln thing, which is obviously a reference to the Santa thing, like that she just breaks off into these monologues and it clearly wanted to just like oh. play on that, you know? There is like a meta humor about this one in that it, yeah, is sort of playing off beats from the first one and counting on you to be like, oh no, here we go, you know, and then sort of subverting. Like that, I felt like that was handled... Part of me wanted to hear the story, but part of me was also like, all you need is this mm. to to satisfy what is happening here. Yeah. Of like, oh, God, of course, she's got another track. Like how much tragedy lays in this character's past. And it's such a striking kind of dramatic beat of the first movie. Yes. <laughs> no, you don't. Whoa. 60 years of hogging the end title is enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Whoa. Yes, Chuck Jones, I was going to say. It's that. He looked a little grinchy. I'm getting better at pulling animators and stuff. And they credited the local animation uh, guild in the credits. But uh, yeah, like. I, I liked I f- that. Yeah, me too. Like, And, and I love the wraparound of the Looney Tunes characters because, mm-hmm. like, this is Looney. very much a Looney movie. Yeah, it's very much a Looney Tune. And. Yeah, like having that beat with her is just such a funny lore thing because you're like, this girl just must have tons of tragedy in her past. And and yeah, like I liked in the previous movie that that becomes like a whole poignant little moment and you really do feel for her. And here, it's a different kind of movie and I get why they didn't go into that because there's not... I, I think, you know, the the motif of the quiet, you know, bucolic town versus, you know, the bustle of the big city. Like, it suits the tone and setting of this movie to have it be like, oh, my God, on Abraham Lincoln's birthday or whatever, on President's Day, you know, this guy came up, and then, you know, we we get Shuffle it and we away. move on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This felt very much like Ghostbusters to me. Like, it felt oh, sure. very tonally similar. It came out in 1990, I'm seeing. So, yeah, you were right about not the late 80s, but the early 90s. It makes sense for the time. Even this like art that we're looking at on Amazon Prime with the one finger and looking at the city. Yeah. Uh, it just the the whole thing, it screams late 80s, early 90s. It screams sequel, but in the best way possible. This is before sequels were annoying as hell. Yeah. It made it did its own thing. It the sets was completely different, which I really appreciated that we didn't uh just stick on the same situation that we had in the first one. We went different place, bigger. Uh, now we're nervous about the entire city, right? I mean, I guess at the end of the last one we were, but this, it just felt like there was more danger. And because we knew about it, we only knew partially how to stop them, but not completely how to stop them. We went about stopping them in a different way. The electricity thing, like nothing was wasted. That came back into play. Everything, kind of, the Rambo, seeing that on the TV came back into play. There was a lot of callbacks, a lot of references. This worked for me. <laughs> this was weird. This worked for me immensely, and, and and again, like it has that reputation of being like a such a WTF kind of movie. And I know that like up until this point, I have associated the two movies with like people love Gremlins; it's a classic, and then two is like a cult classic. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a perfect one-two punch. Yeah, it's like it it does a lot of things you expect from a sequel in that it's changing up the setting, it's going a bit bigger, it's expanding even further on the Gremlins lore. Like I loved here that you had. Uh, the mad science department basically where they find all the different means of coming up with infinite variations of the gremlins 
you know, we've seen them in different outfits and with different like personalities. But here, yeah, we see them like in actual different morphed, warped formations leading up to the one who can talk, who sounds that like, was awesome. Yeah. And, and and them like kind of evolving and like the cognitive dissonance of like all the chaos they caused. And yet he's over here like, yes, we just want all the amenities of high society and civilization. Yes. And like, yeah, the, this was like the perfect it, it maintained. And then he shoots the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like it maintained the perfect irony in line with the first movie because the first movie is like sweet and it is a holiday movie and there's like a familial element there that makes it kind of a a bit genuine while it's also being sort of ornery and wild and this one certainly ramps up on the the craziness and stuff um but yeah it's like it made sense you don't have quite as much like character story going on like it's a pretty familiar setup it's like okay so billy and uh and oh god kate moved to the big city and you know they're they're trying to make life happen there and i like that you know the clamp industries place you know brings the spirit of dad along and the whole starting it out with like them trying to build space age chinatown and wanting to evict the old man just like little touches to tie it back into the first one without like over uh, like over laboring or forcing those things to be like a full on part of the plot like i thought the stuff they maintained and brought back worked and we have the image of home to remind us. But it really did feel like, yeah, we moved away to a new spot. And uh, and yeah, there's a lot of fun corporate satire, which which that element of the movie with just all the different yuppies that we meet working at Clamp and then Clamp himself and just like the attitude about gadgets and gizmos and smart anything like there's so much about this that i think yeah that i think has actually gotten more relevant and it's funny because you know you see a lot of things like this that make you go oh the more times change the more they stay the same but like this is 1990 and he called it like a smart building which is like very today uh, vernacular like i'm sure stuff was called smart when it was super tech back then but not to the the disney show smart house or the Disney movie that came out when we were kids, Smart House. Smart House or Smart Guy? No, Smart Guy was the um, Taj Mowry show. Okay. Smart House. That Smart was House? one of those decoms. Oh, I think I missed this. Oh, whoa. Let me see what year Pull that was. Pull it up. Pull it up. Because, yeah, like that stuff I thought, you know, got actually, you know, I'm sure it was fun and biting at the time, but like so much of what the rest of the movie is doing, aside from the chaos, the sat, like the social satire is like, super sharp and, and relevant even now, which I thought was just like very kind of charming. And it's always like a 99. Fun, I've seen this post. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, like uh, the whole and, and it's okay. So smart. It's creeping into the, in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. But this was probably, I mean, this is early 90. This is 90. Yeah. This isn't that transition point where you're still, the aesthetic is still very much eighties, but it's starting to shift into what will eventually become the nineties. Right. Style. If I'm being, and I know you guys love this, if I'm being nitpicky. Do it. Pick a nit. If I'm picking nits. While this movie did really work for me, I mean, the women are so 90s in this. Like, and I don't What mean, are you talking about? And I don't mean how women were in the 90s. I mean how women were written in the 90s and in the 80s. What to, for, are you talking about? For two lead characters, it's like you are either a woman throwing yourself at men that you know are taken or you're a woman turning a blind eye because that's your bae and you don't care and you're just going to stand by your man. And it's like sure. the lack of the, the fact that the uh, 
I feel like in this, you know, the dude characters are very much uh, save the day, going to figure it out. Even the rich guy, the rich character who is like, you know, doing the damn thing. Freaking clamp. Yeah, clamp. <laughs> I feel like he had plenty of layers. It's like he's a uh, not a good dude, but there's some redeeming qualities with the women. I was just like. Okay, well, I think that both of you guys are doing this exactly how it was written. Both these actresses are killing it here. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice to have a little, like, nuance in it. But, it, you know, it works for this kind of movie, but it is just very 80s, 90s. I was like, there's just no way there was a woman in this room when they were writing this. I do. Uh, yeah, I, I can't at all argue with that because, like, the the bummer is that Kate, is so endearing in the first she's movie. So endearing, and she's not the the main focus of that movie, but she is like a distinct supporting character. And here, I thought Phoebe Cates was was she still maintained the loveliness of that character, but but we like her as an actress because yeah. she's, she's sweet and she's cute and uh, yeah. I'm but yeah, it. she she is on the margins, and I mean even even though Billy is still the lead, even he is sort of like. There's so much. I mean, the Gremlins are the star of this movie, but yeah, uh, Kate and and what's her name, Marla Bloodstone. Yeah, yeah, like they are super archetypical. And at least for Kate, like I could have maybe done with just yeah, like a little bit more of like a core. That's the thing is you that moment with her backstory does play funny. I like what it is in isolation, but if you look at it in context of the whole movie, it is sort of indicative of how those characters are treated. Yeah, like a throwaway, a write off. Like, like okay, like, and we're moving on. Thrilled to be partnering with a brand I've been using for nearly two years now, and that's Harry's Razors. I'm generally more drawn to anything that goes against the norm, and Harry's does just that in the grooming world. They saw the high prices in the industry and decided to blaze their own trail with quality and affordability. I keep a beer, but whenever you see these cheeks in the neck clean, and that's the work of Harry's right there. Keeps my wife happy, and Harry's makes it effortless. They're precision blades that cut smoothly with less drag, making every shave satisfying. And yes, it's versatile for... Other areas too, you know what I mean? So as a Harry's devotee, I can vouch for their value. You can experience unparalleled comfort and quality in your grooming routine where exceptional craftsmanship meets affordability, making a smart choice for a top-notch shave without breaking the bank. Their kits and value packs for shaving are unbeatable, but Harry's is not just about shaving. Again, they offer top quality, thoughtfully designed grooming products, including shampoo, conditioner, and amazing body wash without the premium price. Quality, affordability, that's a thesis of this. Now these I actually pulled right from my own bathroom. I regularly use their five blade razor with a nice weighted handle and their foaming shave gel man this dab ball oh, it is a game changer i just like the feel of it now i have to commit to keeping this in my hand the whole time because i'm not going to go to the bathroom in the middle of shooting this the handles they feel perfectly balanced and the razor sleek design is a classy addition to my bathroom and the quality of the shave unparalleled gotta reiterate keep part of my weekly grooming ritual because their entire range of products fits seamlessly into my routine definitely no reshoots here their german engineer blades are durable and refill plans are economical rarely use the word economical but i'm using it now plus their commitment to high customer satisfaction and no risk trial makes harry's a no brainer this gel really does feel good. Let me say once more, choosing Harry's means quality and affordability. By grabbing your $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rejects, you're not only getting a great deal, but you're also supporting this channel. That's harrys.com slash rejects for your $3 trial set. Stay sharp and embrace the extraordinary with Harry's. Till next time, Reject Nation. Till next time. Big thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video, a real game changer I've been using for years. That's right, 
years. So whenever they want to work with us, it's an instant yes. You've likely heard about ExpressVPN for online privacy and security, but there's more to it than that. However, there was a very real incident recently with Spectrum shutting down my internet and contacting me due to a suspecting hacking attempt. And funny enough, I realized I hadn't actually activated my ExpressVPN on my new laptop that I got a couple of months ago. So I was paying the consequences. Having faced a serious hacking issue on YouTube a couple years ago, that made ExpressVPN my go-to for both security and freedom. I mean it. And yes, what you've heard is true. Believe me, this channel knows. You can use ExpressVPN to watch movies and shows on Netflix that are not available in your country. This means accessing a vast array of content of over 100 countries, like a global cinema at your fingertips. It's super easy. Open ExpressVPN, switch locations, refresh the browser, and there you have it. Whether it's K-dramas on South Korean Netflix, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, or more, ExpressVPN has you covered. And it's incredibly fast, ensuring no buffering or lag for smooth HD streaming. It's versatile too, working on not just computers, but phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. This means you can enjoy your favorite shows on anywhere, any screen, protect and elevate your internet experience. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link, expressvpn.com slash rejects. And you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash rejects. So head to expressvpn.com slash rejects to learn more. Thank you again. Even yeah. Dr. Catheter has his big character arc moment. Like, if we get out of this, I will never do this ever again. This is not what, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I and I mean, like, I, I love the, the madcapness of what the just ecosystem of the building is. And yeah, how like, you know, they're not even fully aware of who's renting and why. And like, oh, I, I knew we should have put a plastic surgery place in there instead of a gene splicing place in there. And, and like, yeah, it's fun to have. Like, there's so many character actors throughout this. And yeah, like Christopher Lee, like there, there are a lot of nods. And I, and I enjoyed, too, the different little monster movie bits you've got like the phantom the opera one who does like the phantom shot at one point and you have christopher lee who's like a hammer movie veteran and all sorts of genre movie veteran um and then you know you got like uh yeah obviously dick miller's back and even like the cameraman guy like all these all these different familiar looking that guys and whatnot um and yeah like it's interesting i feel like the characters in this one except for Billy and Kate to a degree exist to be these caricatures more than anything. Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's not like every character is perfectly written except for the women. It, uh, there's a lot yeah. of different flaws um, and, it, and it does work fine. I noticed on Amazon that, I mean, it works more, more than fine. It's a great movie, but I noticed on Amazon, one of the things that I thought was interesting. And so it says that it's, um, I forget, but like thriller or comedy, there's yeah, a okay, campy so and frightening. Campy, frightening comedy. But the one that I thought was interesting is that it lists itself as a fantasy. What do you think about that? I, I agree. Uh, yeah, like because uh, I mean, fantasy I and, and horror flirt, you know, with each other quite, quite a lot, genre wise. And, and yeah, like I, especially having Gizmo because you have the fact that Gizmo is so dear and sweet and and there is a version of the gremlins that is that too and there is this sort of peripheral magic and even that like they they're commenting directly on like what are the rules it's midnight somewhere like stuff yes. like that I thought was Love great that. but but yeah like the fantasy element is is yeah is in full swing here because too like you know monster movies and mad science i feel like dips into fantasy as well so while this is often skewing gross and demented there's definitely yeah there's definitely an air of fantasy and and the this the whimsy uh with which the rest of the world is depicted and that's what i liked about clamp actually like 
I would be totally down as well for a version of this movie where he's revealed to just be the worst mm -hmm. and gets like, you know, some kind of horrible end. But I also appreciated the quirk of the choice that he is disconnected just this sort of well-meaning misled guy with a lot of resources and power who yeah is like disconnected and who is always kind of getting halfway there and then kind of missing the point and you know that whole thing at the end where he's like you know this isn't a place for people you know and you think he's kind of waking up to everything and he's like i'm gonna build something different i'm gonna build something that's cozy and homey and we're gonna make the most state-of-the-art version of something quiet and peaceful and like you see the conflict of the whole character and the conflict of like again it's a nice contrast because it's not like in your face it kind of is but not it's not uh, like directly speaking it to you. Like the first movie does embody this peaceful, calm, small town vibe that then gets, you know, upended by the gremlins. Whereas here, yeah, you're in kind of the fully formed corporate fantasy where everybody is like so down the rabbit hole of, you know, those concerns and like seems like everybody in the clamp building just seems completely detached from life. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. Just was thinking when I initially said, it's just funny. Like imagine asking somebody what's your favorite fantasy movie. And you, you think that they're going to say, I don't know, Star Wars or Harry Potter or and like, like Gremlins too. legend or, or yeah, like, the Willow or yeah, yeah yeah like this but this is it I'll take Gremlins also interesting that the way that they describe this they say um, that Billy and Kate reunite with their furry friend Gizmo to destroy a mischievous new breed of talking gremlins. And it's like, I don't know about talking the gremlins. One talks. Yeah. <laughs> Just the one. There's only enough brain juice for the one of you. <laughs> and he was funny. Okay. So this worked for us. Yeah. Is, is there a gremlin story? I don't think so. I don't know though. I mean, uh, maybe they'll come back and do one. Joe There's Dante's one still out there. I would love another gremlins before. we. What would on. you want? You know, I could see them doing a movie where where Bill and Kate, you know, are older now. You know, you get the actors back and they have their own kids now and Gizmo's still living with them. And, you know, they're about to be like, OK, you know, you're whoever their kid is. It's like you're getting to that right age. We're going to we're going to introduce you to our little friend here. Oh, they've been hiding Gizmo. You. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll work out those details. When we well, get in the Giz writer's room. Gizmo's going to have a complex if he feels hidden from the kids this whole time. <laughs> maybe Gizmo has. No, no. Okay. So Gizmo lives in the house and has like a whole. There have got to be inventions around. And Gizmo has like little things he can ride around to like yeah, yeah. help him get to stuff. And like little safeguards to make sure no gremlin mischief you know, comes to pass, and then maybe it's like what Greg and Olivia did with all the cats. With all the cats, yeah, stuff. they can run around free. And then the kids really want to play with the with Gizmo, but they're like, you know, we got to take this slow. Okay, this isn't. They're not a toy. They're a real living thing, and there's rules. And then maybe the kids, you know, just like, you know, mom and dad go to sleep. They maybe break Gizmo out, and then, and then you know, cause some havoc. And then we get a whole new 21st century take. From your mouth to the universe's ears. Yeah. Okay, Gremlins 3 coming to you <sighs> soon. And like the bit where they're in the movie, that's one thing is I wish I like to see that in the theater would have been so great. Sick. I, w I, yeah. I thought something was wrong at first. Did you immediately know what was happening? I'm, I'm used to seeing enough film burn effects that I, that, when when it was like the initial jitters, I was like, "Okay, is the stream okay?" Yeah, the, when they see when, the white, then I and then the film know, starts yeah. to burn, and you're like, oh, "Okay, well, this isn't, this cannot be 
this could poss- not possibly be conjured by digital television. So this, this cannot is part be. Of it. Yeah, but uh, uh, like even still, like the amount of commitment they did to that, and and I I've heard it said like. Uh, them making this sequel. I, I don't know if maybe they were like trying to get other people to do it or, or whatever. And eventually Joe Dante was like, yeah, if you let me, I don't just want to remake gremlins. If you let me come in and do my thing and, you know, make the, the story and the satire I want to make, like I'll do it. And I think the, and people can clarify in the comments, but I think the studio was like, yeah, as long as it's got gremlins in it, man, just like come in and make him make more. <laughs> so, so yeah, like I really appreciate it. Make a, a new batch, make a new batch. That's, that's it. And like, I got we got to go watch the Key and Peele sketch now because there's like a, a famous Key and Peele sketch about like how this movie was conceived. Um, Should we react to it? <laughs> here at the end? I, the problem is I don't know if that's going to destroy the monetization of this video. So we'll do that in our own Comedy time. Central's pretty anal about Let stuff, us live. Right? Let us watch things Let on our own. That's it. it for now. We'll see you guys soon on behalf of Ron Joxy, baby. Baby. That was some drippy moist. That was drippy. Oh, that was so drippy, so moist, so gooey. Not gooey, man. It was gooey. And we had like a late night horror TV's host. This had everything. This is the best movie. That, and they had Leonard Malton. And they had Leonard freaking Malton. And I and I love a gag like that. I feel like we need a super cut of all the times that notable critics have shown up in movies to do some meta bit where they slam the first movie and then get killed by the movie's mm-hmm. villains. I'm friends with his daughter, Jessie. Yeah, She's so lovely Jessie's and he's great. so great. Anyway, okay, we'll see you guys soon. Love Later, you, Rejects. Bye.